welcome to another episode of the Negative Positives Podcast. And now, coming to you live out of the Gutter Man Cave in beautiful Louisville, Kentucky. He likes his bourbon almost as much as he likes his Pentax. It's your host, Mike Gutterman. Hello and welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode number 277. I am your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from the Gutterman Cave. And this is the Friday morning show, and it's a little little different. This is kind of kind of a, a trend here lately on these Friday shows. I actually actually have a guest on tonight, and there's a reason uh, why he's on, but we're going to talk about that later. But first of all, let's meet this guest. It's not other, none other than the wonderful Mr. Matt Jones, all the way out in Thailand. Uh, let's see how you uh, how you doing, Matt? Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, Mike, and uh, happy to be on the. On the virtual bar here with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. Uh, Matt and I uh, talked quite a bit through uh, Facebook Messenger tonight uh, while I was at work trying to set this up. And um, Matt had said that, uh, uh, you know, uh, he uh, was looking forward to uh, drinking with somebody. And so I, I guess if, if, if this podcast provides nothing else, it gives somebody a, an opportunity and an excuse to drink. So <laughs> I think it's a, that might be, I don't know if that's a, if that's a legacy that I'm leaving behind or what, but uh, so. And you made me wait half an hour of preamble before I could crack the beer so that we could record the sound. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I already had like three open here. I just opened a fourth one just to, just to have the sound. I don't know what you're waiting on, Matt, but uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> but um okay so this is a, a kind of a special episode because uh matt jones uh graciously kind of joined me in what i like to call the print torture test and uh if you've uh listened to this podcast for a while you know this is the second year i've done this and and basically it's trying to test the fade resistance of uh, some of these inkjet prints i'm getting out of my hp envy instant ink program uh printer because it is the hottest trend in home printing it's taken over the world by storm uh but uh, Matt uh, agreed to join uh, and do at the same time uh, a torture uh, test for his prints, which were d- uh, for darkroom prints. So uh, I thought it would be a very interesting thing to see how they held up in the kind of the same conditions that my inkjet prints are having to deal with. Uh, so yeah, it was. Um, uh, you, know, just- you know what this reminds me of? There was a, <laughs> a Simpsons episode gabbing where they had a show called Gabbing About God. And they said, and tonight, the where we work out who the one true God is, <laughs> and this is tonight we work out the one true printing format for everyone to use. That's right. That's right. And so, um, I guess the, the the main thing is so this is this is a year long uh, process. So we Matt and I have had prints hanging <laughs> in a window for a year, uh, pretty much being battered by sun and elements and all that stuff. Uh, so we've basically, I, it's, it's really weird. I'm looking over at the Gutterman cave window in the, uh, in this garage here and there's no prints on it anymore. And I can see directly outside and like people can see me like the boogeyman can see me now. And it's kind of wigging me out because I'm not used to people being able to see me in this garage. And, um, uh, because there used to be prints uh, covering up that whole window, so I'm probably going to put something. Uh, I'm going to probably have to put some sort of a, I don't know, Farrah Fawcett poster there or something, or uh, <laughs> to try to block. Uh, I don't like people being able to see me in this garage. It's kind of it's kind of wigging me out a little bit. But uh, so, how about we 
talk a little bit about uh, how we uh, went through this test. Uh, I'll kind of explain my process first and then see if you, you kind of did the same thing, Matt. But uh, basically what I did is I printed, uh, let's see, I printed like 12 black and white prints on four by six paper on uh, 12 different uh, inkjet papers. And I printed like eight uh, color photos on eight different inkjet papers uh, and all four by sixes. Uh, basically put a black, got a black mat board and covered up half the print with a black mat. The other half of the print was taped to the garage window. Uh, so only half of the print was exposed to sun. The other half was behind a black mat board. So I could see like where the fade line was from being exposed to the elements. Uh, one thing about this situation in my garage is it's, it's hot, very hot in here in the summertime, very cold in the wintertime. Uh, there's bourbon fumes. There's all sorts of things that could cause uh, <laughs> problems with uh, with inks. And so, you know, I thought it was a really good test. These are basically uh, taped directly to the window. This window faces full sun uh, the entire day, pretty much. So uh, it's been a really good test. Uh, last year, uh, I got uh, quite a bit of results, out, but I did more papers this year and actually did uh, some black and white inkjet prints this year as well. Uh, I think maybe buried deep on the negative positive Instagram account. Uh, which is just negative positives way early on. I think I posted all the prints from last year where you can see the fading and, and what, uh, what paper it was. So if you want to see the results from, uh, last year's, uh, print torture test, uh, they they should be buried deep in the uh, Instagram account somewhere. Uh, and then obviously after this recording comes out, uh, I will post these, uh, images of these, uh, of these uh, uh, prints, maybe scans or something, so you can see the fading, and maybe we can get Matt to do the same. Uh, we'll put it probably on the Facebook group, and I might even post some of them on the Instagram account as well, so you can, in case you're not on the Facebook group. But uh, Matt, how did you go about your torture test? Yeah, well, what I did is I covered uh, the window that my wife looks out of when she's sitting at her desk because that's the one with the best sun for 12 <laughs> months. So she's really happy this is over now. She, she has a very good view of the street. She's, yeah, chuffed. Um, I, I had one, two, three, four, five uh, 8x10s from the darkroom, uh, four of them from my darkroom and one of them from the best lab that I could find in Thailand, this guy. He's a bit of an artist himself, and um, his prints are slightly expensive. So I got a couple of uh, prints from him, and I put one of them through the torture test. So that was interesting. And uh, and I, all of mine are the same paper, but I tried a few different processing methods with them. So uh, two selenium toned, two not, and some different washing um, sort of techniques with them as well, just to see how they'd go. Awesome. And you said this, uh, the photographer's print that you used was, that was a lab print. Is that right? Yeah. One of it's, it's one of my negatives. I just got uh, one of the labs in Bangkok to oh, print okay. his, but he's, um, he's like a kind of boutique lab. He's the guy you go to if you're having a big exhibition in Bangkok, he's not like one of the run of the mill labs. So he, he does a really nice job. Oh, okay. I see. I see. And is that an actual like a uh, machine print or an actual darkroom print? Darkroom, yeah, on fiber paper. Okay, okay. He, he didn't selenium tone it. He just did a straight fiber print. Um, so that was up there with mine, and that was half covered the same as you did. Mm -hmm. uh, do, you, do you want me to talk about the results? Yeah, go ahead, yeah. Drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> and and I've, 
Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I've scanned them all, and so, yeah, I'll post them on the group. Um, so the first off, the, the fibre-based print from the professional lab uh, looks absolutely perfect. There's no difference from the area that was covered to the area that wasn't, so that held up really well. And um, I sent a scan back to the fella and let him know, and he was really pleased because he'd never done anything like this to one of his prints. And if I'd have asked him beforehand, I'm sure he would have been pretty nervous. But So that was great. His fibre-based print was perfect. Um, next up, I had one of my... Uh, one of my prints that I washed for five minutes, which is kind of like a standard wash for, I'm using RC paper, not fiber paper. And uh, it, it looks pretty bad. It's the, the covered area looks perfect, but the uncovered area, it's the blacks have really solarized. So they've gone like a brown color. Mm. The highlights are okay, but, and there's also like a, almost like a drippy effect on some of it. Maybe there was some condensation that, that got to it, but only the uncovered area looks like that. So if it was condensation, it didn't affect the other area, so probably not. But, but yeah, it's just a really horrible solarization effect, and that's on the one that only had the five-minute wash. And then if I move to the one that had a 10-minute wash, which, um, you know, is probably a... I don't know. Maybe it's normal for some people. But a little safer, maybe, yeah. Yeah, safer. And uh, and same thing. It pretty much turned out exactly the same. The oh. the half that's exposed to the sun's gone a real goldy brown color. If people look, if if you if the whole image, if you looked at it, you'd say maybe it was sepia toned or some kind of gold bleach toning effect. But yeah, it's on half the image, and it's. Yeah, definitely faded badly. So the the ten minute and five minute wash didn't really seem to improve things at all. Mm. Do you think and, uh, any yeah. would were they both fix the same amount? And you think that would fixing have anything to do with that, or you think it was just uh, just it, exposure? It, it could have been something to try with a, a long fix and a short fix, but I didn't try that. Mm. Um, I just did my normal two minute fix on um, on all of them. Um, the next one is uh, was another five-minute wash, normal fix, but this was selenium-toned in um, Harman Selenium Toner 1 to 20 dilution, which is their archive dilution. And um, I normally just leave it in there for about 30 seconds to, I think, a minute. I don't leave it in there too long. And that's come out perfect, and that's on RC mm. paper too. It's mm. just as good as the lab fiber one that there's absolutely no line on it whatsoever and so that was with the five minute wash and of course the 10 minute wash with the selenium archival toning is just as good too so that's my takeaway from this you know there's there is no problem using um rc paper as long as you um as long as you archive selenium tone it it can really stand up to a lot of torture and i'm i'm really impressed well, that's awesome because I've I've heard uh, I think I, I read something from Ilford. Uh, someone was asking them about RC uh, paper these days, and and Ilford's kind of response was, "There's really no reason if you you know uh, process them in an archival way that why they can't last as long as fiber prints." That RC has come a long way in modern times compared to where it was you know ten twenty years ago or thirty years ago or whatever. And uh, so it's kind of interesting because I think a lot of people. 
for convenience sake of not having to deal with fiber and the the curl and the extended washing and all that stuff you do with fiber paper it's kind of nice that if you want to shoot RC that you know you can you can make prints that last out of it so that that's that's i yeah. think that's good good uh, a positive thing for uh, people that are a little leery because you know it, you get on these uh, forums and you read about it on the interwebs and everybody acts like uh, RC paper is crap like you can't you know you, you can't do that at art shows or galleries or whatever they're going to expect fiber paper but I think some of that's a little bit overrated if it's uh, it sounds to me like the selenium might be a a good uh, a good bet I mean because who's going to have a print they buy from you uh, on their uh, on their window and facing sun all, all, all your yeah, life exactly. <laughs> I mean, I've got plenty of prints on my wall that aren't in direct sun that were not selenium toned and they're perfectly fine. Um, but, I, you know, I guess the torture test is just to show what might happen over a really prolonged period. And interesting that you mentioned um, Ilford because I did let them know that I was doing this um, just last week and I got an email back from Mr. Neil, a technical director at Harman, and he said, can you send me the scans? Uh, so I've sent them all of my scans and results and uh, the whole Ilford factory in Moberly is actually listening to us tonight because I told them I'd be talking about this on the <laughs> Negative Positives podcast. So hello everyone at uh, at Moberly England uh, in the Ilford plant. There you go. Very, very awesome. Uh, it's funny because most of the papers that I uh, uh, printed in Inkjet were uh, some Kodak papers and, and some HP papers. And Ilford's a little more responsive to uh, the community, I think. So I don't think HP is going to really give a shit about, <laughs> about my little my little test. But I'm st- I still want to reach out to them, though, because this is their, I mean, this is their printer and their ink. Now, uh, with my situation, I, you know, I was leery about this. My The inkjet printer I used to use before I got the HP uh, was a Kodak printer that used pigment inks. And I did a torture uh, chamber test torture test uh with those uh prints uh years ago before i had this podcast and they held up like not a not a not a, a tiny not even the tiniest faint uh hint of any fading after a year uh with those so i was always very happy with the, those pigment inks in that kodak printer uh but the printer died and kodak doesn't make them anymore and and so you can still get the ink for them, but like it was like I was having to buy like used Kodak printers, and buying a used printer is always <laughs> definitely a uh, a gamble. So yeah. that's why I went to this HP system. I'm very leery about it because it was dye. It's dye based inks. Uh, the 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 word on the street from HP is these are 25 years fade resistant under r- proper storage con- conditions. Uh, whether or not. Uh, that's the truth or not who knows uh but so i definitely wanted to test these things and you know uh i can see from certain papers do it uh handled the 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 fade uh a whole lot better than others uh but i i'm pretty confident with like some of the papers the little bit of fading i got under the conditions they were in i could see like in a photo album under like you know the plastic uh sleeves of a photo album or in dark storage how they could easily last 25 years or longer uh because uh, some of them some of them came out quite well uh i'll kind of go through i'm not going to go through every one of these because i did like you know 12 different papers in black and white and eight different papers in in and color, so it'd be a really boring episode for me to just sit here and describe each one of these prints. But I'll, I'll tell you some highlights. Uh, as far as like currently available papers, uh, my best uh, results uh, from fade resistance seems to, and, and the black and white seem to come from the HP uh, Premium Plus, what they call five star glossy uh, paper. 
And because uh, like a lot of these consumer inkjet papers, HP and Kodak, they'll have like a star system, uh, three, four, five stars telling you, you know, the, the paper grade or the paper weight of uh, what you're buying. Uh, but it seems that the HP Premium Plus five star did kind of have the least amount of fade in the black and white, um, at least on currently available papers. And the reason I say that is because I've found this box of paper that I've had for years and it's, they don't make it anymore, but it's called Kodak Ultima photo paper. And on the box, it actually says a hundred years fade resistance. Ooh. And, and, but this paper was, I ain't been manufactured in probably 10 years or so. And I remember when it came out, I read some stuff about it and Kodak kind of came under a lot of scrutiny because people bought the paper thinking their prints wouldn't fade and a couple months later, they were seeing fading. But that was 10, 15 years ago of inkjet te- technology. And the inks just weren't, they just they are not where they're at today. Uh, so I think it wasn't necessarily, I think Kodak's paper definitely does have some serious fade resistance. Because it might have been the actual winner of the, of the contest. But you can't buy it anymore. And back when it was made, I don't think the inkjet inks were, were where they are now at least with uh, dye-based anyway. And so it was probably the overall winner. But, you, I mean, trust me, it's all over the eBay. Uh, you can buy this paper still. Uh, tons of people have, like, leftover packages of it. So, uh, but, but the strange thing about it is I don't know if I would use it, though, because the way the ink sits on the page is a little strange. Like, it's uh, even after a year on the window, it still feels a little tacky to me. Um, mm-hmm. like the ink doesn't absorb into the paper as well, because like now, like ink, all the inkjet papers, they kind of like have like the swellable, uh, you know, uh, emulsion, not emulsion, but like, uh, whatever they put on there, it, it, it kind of swells and pulls the ink in, 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 in this, like the swellable, whatever they coat this stuff with, uh, this, it looks like the ink's almost just sitting on top of the page, which so I expected when I printed this out. That these this print was going to be the, the worst performer, and because it just looks weird, it, it like it's almost like the ink's not sunk into the page, but it actually did probably resist fading better than than anything, which is very strange. But I don't know if I'll use it because it doesn't doesn't look as nice as like the modern inkjet papers. But uh, and another thing I found out was like uh, there's an HP Premium four star glossy, which is a little cheaper. Because it's four star, not five star, and not really much difference in the fade between the two, uh, between the five star and the four star. So I don't know if it's really worth paying more for the five star. They kind of came out about the same, and then another one that kind of came out around the same uh, is the HP Advanced Photo Paper, which is even cheaper than their Premium Photo Paper. It's a, another four star paper, whatever. They, it it kind of matched. Um, the uh, more expensive HP papers. Uh, now, the paper I like using a whole lot, the Kodak Pro Luster, uh, uh, that I use a lot for my black and whites on the, out of the HP, it faded just a tad more, probably came in about a fourth place out of 12, out of 12, uh, 12 different paper brands. Um, mm. And uh, But the worst, I'll go with some of the worst here. The worst was, <laughs> in the, actually, the absolute worst was this, um, it was a Polaroid-branded uh four by six uh inkjet paper that i bought in uh like we have these stores in in america called dollar tree and uh they have everything is everything's a dollar there and so they had these little packs of like i don't know 
10, 15, 20 sheets of four by six paper, inkjet paper branded under the Polaroid brand name. And it did not do well, as you would expect from a dollar store paper, I guess. It's definitely the, the worst faded. Uh, with, with any of these, Mike, can you, can you sort of get them wet or are all of them still a bit sensitive to, to water? Actually, mo- that's, that's the thing. On my garage um, window, it does get condensation because uh, it's definitely exposed to heat, cold, rain, when it rains and stuff. Uh, a couple of them did get some water damage, uh, but a lot of them just came out unscathed. So some of them yeah. are very waterproof and uh, water resistant anyway. So, uh, so that was uh, kind of an interesting thing. Most of the uh, better HP papers and the better Kodak papers definitely handled uh, the the condensation very well uh the ones that didn't uh, the kodak uh, like they have a professional matte paper which is like uh it did not handle the fade resistance well or the condensation of course it's a it's a matte paper it's not there's no you know it's like super flat you know and uh it didn't seem to do well um with uh, that that kind of situation um and then in the color uh, again uh the kodak ultima High gloss that's no longer manufactured, I think was the winner. I can't hardly, it's almost, it's really hard to even see a fade line on it. And, but again, it's not the best looking print uh, because it just, it's very weird the way the ink just kind of looks like it's sitting on top of the page rather than sunk into it a little bit. So, uh, but, but it did fade the least. Um, and probably the, out of the currently manufactured ones that I tried, uh, again, the HP Advanced. Uh, probably came out the best. Uh, the the four star HP Advanced uh, Glossy uh, was probably the current manufactured uh, uh, one that came out the best um, out of uh, out of uh, out of the uh, color prints. But so and again, the absolute loser, and this one's really awful uh, of the color uh, portion was definitely the, the again the Dollar Tree Polaroid branded. <laughs> <laughs> premium glossy it's not good yeah it's uh, it's faded very badly so um but i think you know you have to take all this with a grain of salt like no one's really putting their prints through what i just put it uh these prints through so i'm i'm very confident that you know uh dye-based inkjet technology has come a long way uh i remember having uh my first inkjet printer and that actually would print photos uh this is gosh probably um early to mid 2000s uh, and printing something and uh, printing a couple of photos and ha- I had them in a folder in, in the dark and came back just, you know, a couple months later and there was serious fading already going on. So like it's, they've come a long way. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to claim that uh, these things can, can outlast um, darkroom prints because I mean, we've had darkroom prints for, you know, a century and, uh, and a lot of them are still holding up. So there's just, it's still the undisputed champion. I'm just saying that, uh, I think what this has proven to me is that for my use of this inkjet, uh, dye based HP Envy, uh, instant ink program thing for my use, it's, uh, it's, it's perfectly fine. And I, I'm confident, like, I think one of the main reasons I wanted to do this was I want to pr- start printing more four by sixes of like the family photos to put in photo albums and being able to do that at home is very handy. Uh, but I don't want to like, you know, commit these memories to, uh, uh, to this paper and this, and this ink and then, you know, come back five years and the photo album looks like shit. So, but I don't think I'm pretty confident that uh, I can trust these things to last long enough, uh, to, uh, at least longer than I'll be alive to, to worry about it. So, so, but yeah. Is it worth me asking what the difference is between dye and pigment or is that a really big subject that's too difficult to explain? 
Well, I mean, it's I mean, for for years, uh, it's not dye based uh, has always been known to fade more pigments. Uh, the way I understand it uh, is pigment based ink. It actually is uh, has like microscopic, like plasticky sort of particles in it. I think, which is why uh, it. It you know it it doesn't fade uh, whereas the dye is like this is the way I understand it is just you know like it's just dye and so and uh, and also something about the way uh, the pigment ink reacts with the paper I think uh, is another reason why it doesn't fade but like pigment inks have been uh, around for uh, centuries you know or I don't know about centuries but they've been around for a long long time and and in like pens ink pens and stuff like that things that uh, so there's there's some there's been a longer track record of like these things not fading. Cause you can go to like an art store and buy pigment ink pens and, uh, and, and drawing utensils and stuff like that. So, uh, so that they won't fade. Uh, but you know, I think, um, the dye has come a long way. Uh, so, uh, but, uh, and I, and I can, I can, and I can tell you if you have a pigment ink printer, uh, like, well, like you can do art gallery shows with pigment ink printers and they, they're, they're, they'll, they'll accept those all day long, just like they would a dark, uh, you know, a darker print. I don't right. think if I get a gallery show, I'm going to be in there and, and they'll be like, well, what are these prints? Uh, it's a, it's the HP, uh, envy. It's the instant ink program. You know, it's the hottest trend in, uh, in home printing. Uh, it's taking over the storm. They'll be like, yeah, get out of here. You're not putting those up in here. So. <laughs> right. So, so pigment is almost like painting, a color on top of the paper, uh, whereas a dye is changing the color of the paper, perhaps. Perhaps I know the dye has to have like a swell up, like I said, that swellable coating on the paper that kind of uh, it kind of encapsulates it and covers it so that it kind of protects it a little bit. The way I understand it, so uh, actually, it's one of the things it has to do to prevent fading. Uh, but that's just why why it surprised me that this Kodak Ultimate paper, where it didn't really look like the ink sunk in the paper as well as as the more modern papers, why I'm surprised it 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 survived as well as it did. But uh, uh, and I don't know if that's a, a paper thing. It's got to be a paper thing, I guess. But uh, but it's very strange. But uh, and also like you know I, I sell these these prints at art shows. But granted, my art shows are outside art shows, and and people that buy these things from me, they're not paying much for my for my photos. And uh, you know by the time it fades, I'm pretty sure they're they're pretty damn sick and tired of looking at it anyway. So and they just throw it in the trash and 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 come back a year or two later and buy another one from me. But yeah, good idea. <laughs> I hope they do. Yeah, it's it's kind of like it's like uh, I'm building like a washing machine that's that that, that only lasts eight years, and then you got to come back and buy another washing machine from me. So uh, you know, it's you can a- trade them in. <laughs> if they're faded, you get a fifty percent discount on the new one. That's right. Well, the funny thing is, like you know, I've been doing these uh, long enough now, where I think if somebody when I first started printing with this HP printer, I think you know it they somebody that bought something the very first art show that i started using this this particular system uh they it's they've had it long enough where if any real detrimental fading was going to happen they, i, I would have probably gotten uh you know a, a, somebody would there you go <laughs> somebody would have probably somebody would have probably griped about it by now but i've never had you know i have people come back to me that's been buying things from me for years and they've never said hey man you know uh you know that one photo i bought from you I, I liked it but you know it's really faded now i've never had anybody say that so that's maybe a, a good sign but uh i don't know it's a it is it is what it is man you just gotta uh roll with it but and how about your black and white is there a different paper that you buy for your black and white inkjet printing yeah i've been using that that the the kodak uh uh what is it the 
um, Kodak Professional Luster, and uh, and it's it probably came in fourth place out of the twelve. Uh, but uh, it does the black so much better than the two or three HP papers that finished a little better than it that I'll take that slightly, uh, slightly tiny bit of less uh, fade resistance for the the look, you know. Um, and then probably fifth place, which is a paper I really like, is this Kodak Pro Metallic paper, uh, which looks a lot like uh, the Kodak Endura Metallic that you can get from Labs. Uh, and it's just a beautiful paper. It uh, has this really cool like chromey looking metallic sheen to it and um on certain on certain prints it really pops and it came in about fifth place so i'm pretty happy about that it wasn't yeah. wasn't one of the worst but so uh, did, did they market any of these papers that this is a color paper and this is a black and white paper or they don't distinguish no they don't distinguish at all and and, and this is the first year i've done black and white prints uh in this in this torture test because i wanted to see well maybe the colors you know uh I just wanted to see, like, if it's all just grays and blacks and whites, how it would do. And, and it really looks like kind of the black and white prints and the color prints of the same paper kind of faded about the exact same, whether there was color or black and white. Because basically on these on these printers, like the one I have, it's just mixing all the color uh, colors together to try to get your blacks. Rather, some of the more professional printers, like the, uh, the more professional Canon and Epson's, they'll actually have photo black and several different blacks and different photo cartridges in there for for your black and whites. Uh, whereas this printer has to kind of like mix a bazillion, uh, <laughs> bazillion different shades of colors to try to get your blacks and whites. So that's probably why I'm noticing on in, in this particular thing with this printer. The the black and whites on the and the color on the same paper faded about exactly the same. So, but uh, yeah, it's a but so you know it's 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 uh, it's interesting to see this. But I'll definitely get these scanned and uh, we'll we'll post those results as well. But uh, so yeah, it's uh, I don't know, Matt. What do you what do you so what what's your thoughts going forward with your printing after after this kind of experiment? Well, it's easy for me. I, I just keep using selenium toning. Um, a lot of people don't like it because maybe it's a bit toxic, um, which is probably true, but I don't know. Oh, I'm 50 next year. <laughs> I think I'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a good run. <laughs> yeah, I've had a good run. I, and you really, when you're doing 1 to 20, like uh, archival solution, it's so dilute that it doesn't really smell too much and you use so little out of the bottle too, so it lasts a very long time. So I'm happy to just to keep doing that. And also when we haven't talked about it, but going back to Ethan Moses and Joe Van Cleve's direct positive method where you, if you use a paper negative and then you develop it as a positive, um, I've found that selenium toning the final result there really, really improves um, the look of the positive image you get directly out of the camera so that i'm really hooked on selenium i'm i'm not going to stop using that so do you think you'll because you because of this test you think you'll pretty much stick with rc paper or do you do any fiber uh paper printing yeah i'll stick i've got some fiber paper and i've used it every now and then and i it's just such a hassle you know mm -hmm. it's just, just drying it and keeping it flat and uh, yes yeah, so it's a big hassle I, I i like this i use kentmere uh paper Mm -hmm. Ilford make it, but um, and it's a luster, a, sort of a pearl. That's my I favorite. Really that's like, my favorite I surface. Love, yeah, the, the luster. I love yeah. it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the great thing is I can get it here locally in all different sizes up to 
the big sort of, I forget what you call it, 22 by 23 inches or, you know, sort of like almost two foot by two foot uh, down to the four by six. And for me, that's great because my printing times um, stay the same and and my split grading stays the same. So when I do a print and I make notes for that print, if I need to make it again um, using the same paper, I can blow it up and just use a little formula for extending the time when it gets bigger. But all my split grading and all, all of that stays the same. Whereas if I if I had to change paper uh, manufacturers for the different sizes, then I'd have to go back to square one and do all the test prints again, and it'd be a nightmare. So just sticking with the one paper is um is brilliant for me. And yeah, I know Kent Mayer is not their premium paper, but this. Uh, selenium toning trick seems to um make it a premium paper in the end mm-hmm. and so also with selenium what's the what's the disposal sort of situation with that is uh, since it seems to kind of be kind of known to be kind of a toxic thing right what, how do you how do you deal with that i yeah of course i take it to the local village recycling center and dispose of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not really <laughs> <laughs> We don't have anything like I live in a village. We uh, <laughs> our, 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 our grey water goes down into the rice paddock. I just <laughs> you just leave the tap on a lot. You dilute it. Right, right. Makes sense. Our, our local vegetables grow in my uh, in my film chemical water. I, why you ask me that? <laughs> well, you know, I said people might want to know, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I live in California. <laughs> So, uh, folks, don't buy any rice from Thailand anytime soon. Uh, we find out what Matt is printing uh, before you do that. So. <laughs> but, it reminds me of uh, when I used to work, well, I'm back in Egypt now, but I was in Egypt t- uh, 10 years ago, and we'd had a, a camp there in the desert, and we had to pay a truck to come and pull out our sewerage water from, you know, we had a big tank we'd store it in, and he would drive out of our camp, go 500 metres down the road, and then just empty the whole thing on his uh, tomato crop. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it is probably good for his garden, right? Still, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah just, just rinse off your veggies before you eat them. <laughs> right, right. Well, uh, it's funny. Uh, my wife, uh, she, she's always, she's had trouble out of her garden the last couple of years and she loves gardening, but, uh, and we had some kind of mixed results or whatever. And I think it was uh, last year she was like, uh, Mike, just letting you know when you're out in the garage and you, and you know, you have to take a leak, uh, it's, it's kind of okay to like do it in the garden because like human urine is actually pretty good for gardens. And I'm so <laughs> license to pee. <laughs> So I'm like, uh, so, you know, the thing is like when I step outside the gutter man cave to uh, use the outside urinal, it's usually in the thorny bushes where no one can see me, but the garden is kind of in the backyard where like it's facing all the, the backyards of all the neighbor's houses, but it's usually late, you know, late at night when we're doing the podcast or whatever. And I'm quite a few beers in. So I would go out there and, and, and like, just (laughs) try to walk sideways shuffle all the way across the length of the garden and (laughs) try to, you know, try to spread the love, you know? Come on, you're doing the helicopter. <laughs> like, like a sprinkler. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Those poor crickets. 
<laughs> there you go. <laughs> but it was it was very strange. I was like, uh, okay, but it, the, the, I don't think it actually helped any because basically <laughs> most of the time my, my urine at that point is just pure alcohol coming out. So I don't know if it, it actually did the garden any good or not. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, there you go. Well, that uh, that conversation kind of devolved there, but uh, so, but uh, all right, Matt. Well, uh, let's go ahead since we have you on here, man. Like, what you, what have you been up to lately? Let's uh, let's talk about uh, a little bit about what you've been doing. Uh, it's been a while since you've been on the show, so why why we got you on? Let's uh, uh, not necessarily your week, but just what you've been up to recently. Well, yeah, because you know I'm I work part time and I've I've been away a bit working, so I just got back about a week or so ago um and so i've been flat out photographing because um i was i've been working in egypt and they hate uh photography there it's it's almost banned i had my passport confiscated twice for just standing on the sidewalk and taking pictures of various things really unless yeah because they you know that the revolution they had Mm-hmm. in 2011 and no one you know people haven't really worked there much since and now you know a few companies are starting to move back there but they're they're worse they're more strict than they used to be they're just the government's totally scared of social media uh, because that's how the the protests before started and um so anyone taking pictures is automatically suspicious and all, all the all the police have sort of disappeared. Yeah, there's no more uh, visual sign of police, but they're all plain clothed police now. So you've got guys dressed in look like street cleaners sitting on you know the concrete at an intersection, and they're all police. And so as soon as you pull out a camera, uh, they're onto you there. So wow, um, what do they, what do they really say to you? Um, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Um, this isn't allowed. Uh, you know, take your passport, go, you have to go get photographed and <laughs> they eventually release you. I'm lucky no one pulled any film out of my camera. Well, one of the, the drive, we've been using a driver over there with a, a car. We rent him and his car because you, you definitely cannot drive in Egypt yourself. It's it's chaos. But um, he, he did some tour work and there was an Italian uh, couple that were on their honeymoon. They're doing a world tour and they got pulled up by the secret police for taking pictures somewhere where they shouldn't have. You don't know. So um, they looked at her phone and their her iPhone. They're flicking through the images Buckingham Palace and then they see the White House and then they ask, how did you get pictures of these secret buildings? You are not allowed to have these buildings. And they made the poor girl delete all her vacation photos on her phone. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yikes! I hope she backed them up to a cloud or something. Or yeah. I don't think so. They were pretty uh, disappointed. But th- but that's how paranoid they are, and that's how out of touch uh, with the real world as well. I mean, there there is a photography um, group there that I met with. There's a dark room in Cairo uh, with some fantastic people. There's also a little group in Alexandria, and and um, there's some people that listen to this podcast too, from from Egypt. So, oh, that's awesome. Uh, when- yeah, when, when I go back, I'm taking some um, some film for the guys in Cairo, the lab there. Um, it, they can't import film, so they only exist on people bringing it in and they pay you for it. So you, I take them the receipts and they give me the money for the film and and that's how they get uh, get their film. So that, that's been interesting. Uh, I'm going to have to ask you. I'm going to I'm gonna have to put you on the spot here. Yeah. Is there any way you could uh, record some... 
uh, audio with those fine folks and, and, and yeah. su- submit it to this podcast? I really wanted to do that. The, mm-hmm. I, like that was my plan when I went there last time. And because the whole thing is so secretive and underground, I just, it's, you know, you, you finding the location, then taking this elevator up to the eighth floor, which you've never been in an elevator like this. It's got a cage around you and it's creaking and winding up and it's vibrating <laughs> side to side. And <laughs> seriously, I'm not afraid of heights, but when I was getting close to the eighth floor, I was seriously thinking, oh my God, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> Get out of there and then ring the buzzer on the dark room, which is a community dark room. And then someone comes and opens the door and everybody in there stops talking and immediately looks around like, who is this? Is this person about to dob us in or is this a raid you know they're so paranoid wow uh, so i instantly thought oh i'm not going to be doing a face cast here <laughs> <laughs> but wow so mate, it's all very it's very all very incognito i mean is yeah. are they do they have to keep it like really secret or yeah the the, the guy that runs it is a journalist um ex-journalist um photography uh, journalist and he I, he's you know he's got a few people friends in jail and um i don't think he's working for the newspaper anymore um so they these guys have sort of been through the ringer in the last mm-hmm. 10 years so they're, but, they're, a little, they're a little they're a little squeamish at this point for sure yeah yeah, yeah. and you, you you know they can't just walk out the front of in the street and take pictures they'll they'll be arrested i don't get arrested because i'm a tourist i just get told off but um for them they would get arrested <laughs> But uh, taking this film back to them, maybe there's a chance that because uh, you know I spent a bit of time with them, drank a bit of tea, and 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 got to know them. So maybe I can get a get them on a bit of an interview. We'll see what happens. I'll try. Oh, that would be that would be super awesome and interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, you know, don't 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 put your life in danger to do it. But <laughs> but so so question I have though, I mean like. You know, like any country, Egypt has some tourist attractions. They have places that tourists want to see. Like, what's the photography like around those? Surely they expect yeah. people to take photos in those places, right? Like, Yeah, you can. If you go to the pyramids or to um, the diving places, Haggadah or Sharm el-Sheikh or Dahab, definitely you can take pictures because um, the, the police expect that. And, in fact, they have tourist police at those places, which are not the normal police. So mm-hmm. that's okay. But uh, pretty much anywhere that's not a tourist attraction, no, you can't take pictures. Um, I did, you know, I just sort of took a few, you know, covert shots here and there. But, yeah, it was pretty, pretty depressing not being able to just walk around with your camera. It sounds like what you need is like a little... uh a little small compact and do a little Lomo shooting from the hip, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Well, I had my LCA and I got a few shots with that, which was good. And my pinhole camera, I got a few shots with that. Um, the, the oh, other... pin, pinhole, pinhole takes a while, though. It gives you a lot of time for a cop to come up to you. When they, you're, uh... they don't know what you're doing, though. <laughs> they just think you're planting a bomb. <laughs> which they're used to, right? So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, but that was the other bugger too. Uh, now uh, the, the company I work for is just sort of getting a bit more established there and we've got an apartment. But before that, um, I was staying in a hotel and just staying at a Holiday Inn, you know, a reasonable, you know, sort of standard of hotel. But anywhere like that and any uh, good shopping mall 
has baggage scanners every time you go in and out and x-ray detectors, you know, they're looking for bombs and things. So every time I left my hotel and came back in, I had to be scanned with x-rays. And the LCA uh, stood up to that, my film, with because it's kind of metal. Um, but the okay. Ondu really suffered, even just going through four times with the Ondu and 100 ISO film. I, could, I got fogging on the film. I was developing it when I was there so I could see. So... Yeah, it's another huge bummer that um, not only do they not want you to take pictures, but they destroy your film at every chance they get. They make sure make sure they fry it as much as best they can, right? Uh, so those must be some serious X-rays. This isn't like uh, the ones that are a little more a little more soft on the film, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, the, like a lot of those places, um, you know, some places in Indonesia like that too, where they they have you know their scanners, but they're all turned off, and the and the guards don't do anything. It's just to try and um, deter bombers or whatever. But in Egypt, they're now they're, you know, super serious. Every X-ray machine is turned on and working. And if they can't see clearly, they run your bag back through it, back and forth, back and forth until they get a good oh, look. Wow. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Wow. So, and you got you, you have to go back there for how long? Yeah, so I'll probably go back another two times, I think. I'm just sort of helping move a, f a fleet of ships from Norway into Egypt um, and so pr probably two more times and then so I think I'll be finished in January or February something like that and uh, and then I'll be in retirement mode once again I was going to say because I, I think when I first uh, was talking to you about coming on the show for the very first time you're like oh Mike I can do this anytime man I'm, I'm semi-retired you know just anytime whatever and now suddenly it sounds like well what's going on here like it's I think uh, after this I think you know let's, let's go ahead and get that retirement going man like life's short you right know, you know what happens is you know you you spend you get you know I'm certainly fortunate people are going to hate me for saying this but you spend six months not working and um after you know it's fantastic you're shooting every day developing and then after a few months you're like oh do i want can i be bothered you know it's sort of it's like eating too much ice cream it wears off and then you <laughs> go away and you work for six weeks you know really long days no weekends you're not allowed to photograph anywhere you come home and i'm just so excited to photograph again so it's it's great to have those those periods of um no photography and then heaps of photography yeah i, I agree with that because I, I i took off like the month of september from photography to kind of get ready for the art show and all that stuff and, and did not shoot hardly anything the entire month of september and um I've kind of it has kind of kickstarted me a little bit, man. It's made me uh, more motivated. Like I'm actually in, like I'm I'm enthusiastic about going and shoot. I'm I'm constantly can't can't wait to my next chance to get out. And that was just taking one little just brief hiatus for just one month, and it really did kind of energize me, man. I was starting to lose a little bit of I don't know motivation to go out and shoot photography, and now it's kind of back. And now I'm like I can't wait for the weekends to try to figure out where uh, where and when I could fit in something into my schedule to go out and shoot again. So there is something good about kind of like getting those batteries recharged but i don't know if i want to recharge my batteries in egypt necessarily but uh so. <laughs> <laughs> yes and another fun thing i've been getting right into the um ultra low iso stuff with michael michael Bartosek and uh and jason and and ed's uh ulic club and right. uh shooting heaps of slow bart and there's another film from Taiwan that a few of us have got hold of and it's a 65 millimeter film that's been cut an IMAX film that's been cut down to 120 
and it, they sell it as a black and white film, but I noticed on the on the sides it says Kodak two three eight three, and when mm. you look up two three eight three, it's a color duplicating film. Um, so there's been I, I spoke to the guys selling it, and they said, yeah, it is a color film, and but we don't know how to develop it, and um, so there's been quite a bit of discussion on the group there about how to develop this properly as a color film. So that's exciting too. And I, I love those kind of challenges to um, little hurdles to jump over in our what's photography the, uh, What's the, uh, what's the ISO seem, seeming to be on uh, this? They say between one and three, and <laughs> I shot it at three and Stan developed in Rodinal, and it was okay but not great. Then I shot it at 1.5 and developed it in Ilford Multigrade with Paper Developer, and it came out really, really nicely. Um, mm. Strangely, when you, you get to the end of the 120 roll, it's got a little sticker that you stick on to close your roll. And on one of the rolls, they had developing instructions, and on the others, really? they didn't. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of random. And I and the <laughs> developing instruction was uh, Dectile uh, 1 to 4 for 10 minutes. So I thought, oh, well, Ilford Multigrade will do that. So that's what I tried, and it worked fantastically. Mm. So, um, yeah, but, but next step is to try it in a bit of C41. And it seems like there's a process called ECP2, not ECN2, and maybe it uses CD2. To developer, maybe I'm getting that wrong. Um, and I know Matt Melcher concocts all these chemicals himself from scratch. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. It would be good to send him one of these rolls and and uh, see what he can make of it with his alchemy. <laughs> there you go. His chemistry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I I always sometimes picture Matt Melcher having like this. Like uh, I don't know, like this Frankenstein lab of uh, of uh, chemicals and bubbling, uh, like bubbling vials of uh, of chemicals. I don't know. <laughs> but but uh, so like, but this okay. I I heard I just read something about this. I don't know if it was on the Facebook group or something. Uh, just recently about the, this film you're talking about, and you said it's coming from Taiwan, but it's it's a Kodak. Is it just they're cutting yeah. it in Taiwan? Because I'm guessing they're yeah. getting it from Eastman Kodak, right? So yeah, is this and, a currently manufactured film from from Eastman, yep. or do you know? Yeah, it's currently manufactured and it's a modern S-star-based duplicating film. It blows my mind how many films Kodak or Eastman uh, make. Like this is yet another one. And uh, and the, actually the guy in Taiwan who I was speaking to, he said he he figured out that there was something going on because a whole <laughs> he got a whole bunch of sales all over the world and it all came from the, um, the ULIC club. And... Uh, he, <laughs> He, he said to me, uh, if, if your group want to buy a bunch more, I can probably get a special deal from Kodak on on the next master roll. And, uh, but I said, I'm not sure that we're that big. But, uh, yeah, they noticed uh, us all buying it. Oh, that's awesome. That's super awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird. And, and like, and the weird thing is, is about all these, like, strange, like, Eastman films for all these weird, like, special applications – is it's hard to keep up. I'm starting to already get confused, like all the numbers, because all the numbers are kind of close, but like it's 22, 37, 22, 32, 22, 50. Yeah, yeah like it's, all, and it's it gets kind of hard to keep it all, you know, uh, kind of straight in my mind sometimes. But it is strange how many things they make. And it makes me wonder too, like why they, I mean, I guess because of the low ISO, they figured the general public is not uh, uh, 
insane like most of us are so maybe they think there's no no market for it but there definitely has uh, uh, at least with you guys there's there's definitely a market for it so yeah i mean i'm so glad they do it but i'm almost thinking i hope they know what they're doing they're making so many it seems like that there's almost just as many sort of motion picture duplicating type films as there are normal kodak films it's like do you really need all of them like, right, the, right. It makes me too, like. It always makes me wonder what the, what's current. the mark what's the market for it like because they don't really. I don't. Know, I guess if you're one of those people that if you're a business that needs that type of film for whatever that application is, I guess you know about it. But it's not really out there, really easy to find for the the general public, you know. So it's very strange. Yeah, I, I think it's a very it's a very weird like sort of dark gray area of Eastman Kodak that we don't understand. <laughs> And I don't yeah. know if we ever will. Yeah. And, you know, I try and get my head around this, who is Kodak and, and who is Alaris and all this sort of stuff. And some of the films say Kodak and some of the films say Eastman. And it's like, is that the same company or are some requesting, you know, are they different? I don't know. Right, right. It's very, it's it's all very confusing. I, that's why, like, there was that rumor that, Alaris was trying to sell their film distribution uh, arm of uh, basically the basically they they sell the still films made by Eastman Kodak and I was like you know I just I really wish Eastman Kodak would just buy it back from them and let's get this all under one umbrella so it makes more sense because it's so confusing right now even even now like I see people when they talk about Kodak they don't know really the difference between Alaris and Eastman. And, it, and it can, I can see how it can be very confusing. You know, Eastman makes the film, Alaris distributes it. And it's just very, it's very, it's a, it's just a weird, uh, it doesn't seem to make sense. It seems so inefficient, doesn't it? Yeah. And so I guess then Eastman and Kodak are exactly the same thing. They just sometimes label it one or the other. Well, the strange thing is like, you know, you'll buy a film, even like just a thing, a box of Tri-X and it'll have like Kodak Alaris's, address on the box and then it'll say manufactured by eastman kodak and have the rochester address on the box and you're thinking if you're a normal if you're a consumer that's not as nerdy about this stuff as we are they're like okay who actually made this thing if i have a problem who do i contact like you know like it's it's very weird and like i, I bought um some of the um uh i placed an order with the fpp uh, a couple weeks ago to get uh, some more c41 uh chemicals from them and i was like you know what i'm gonna go ahead and put in an order for another bottle of HC 110 because the formula has changed now. It's a, a thinner liquid now. That it's not as syrupy as it used to be. It's like why not just uh, go ahead and order some of that? See see how that works out. And on the bottle it says you know Kodak Alaris, and then it has the Eastman Kodak uh, <laughs> address as well. And it's just it's very weird. Like I don't know. It's uh, uh it's I can see how the confusion is just. Um, but you know that's I guess that's what happens when a company skirts bankruptcy and then has to be divided up who knows but uh, oh, I, I, never, I, 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 uh, I just hope it's, they know what they're doing I, I do too i do too it's it's almost like uh you know back uh oh, i don't know quite a few years ago the american car industry went through a lot of trouble and a couple of the companies had to get bailed out by the government of course ford didn't ford did not have to get bailed out we did not need your tax dollars to stay in business but 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 if what if you bought a ford car and you open up the the door and on the label inside the door it says uh, uh ford motor company dearborn michigan uh i don't know uh yugo yugoslavia like <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh boy, if, if that ever happens, my pension is definitely in jeopardy. But uh, so, but yeah. All right, Matt. Well, it's uh, been an absolute pleasure having you on, man. And uh, and thanks for uh, joining me on this torture uh, test, uh, print test. I'm actually wanting to do another one. I'm going to wait a couple months. Uh, uh, to do another one, probably maybe early next year, I might start another one, and I'm going to try to invite other people to join me again on this. I think next this next round that what I'm wanting to do, I'm going to buy some. Uh, these are all all the papers I've been buying are like the cheaper, you know, uh, kind of papers. Even the Kodak Professional paper is not not really expensive uh, through B and H and stuff like that. But I think I want to buy like some of the you know some of the hipper like more expensive uh-huh, brands, uh-huh. the yeah, do ranks. Like yeah, right. And like, and see how those hold up. And I might also put a couple of like lab prints up as well. Uh, see how they compare like yeah. uh, online labs, like MPIX that I use, I've used quite a bit here in America, uh, some stuff like that. Uh, but, uh, so I, I'm going to try to figure out where I want to go with it, but I will probably put out a thing for other people to join us. Like if somebody has an Epson printer that is pigment or Canon, I know Canon has dye and pigment based printers. Uh, if I could get somebody that uh, wants to do uh, uh, a torture test with us on that, but uh, I'm definitely wanting to do another year long test of some different papers and, and maybe get some other people involved and, and see, cause I think it's, I think it's a valuable thing, right? Cause I think, uh, you know, we all talk about how, you know, you should be printing. Printing is the most archival uh, way to save your photos. Well, let's if 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 you're going to count on that as the the most uh, like foolproof archival way to save your photogra- your your photographs, then let's uh, let's just see what they do under uh, really bad conditions, right? Yeah, and and there's some of those labs in the US too that do the uh, is it laser or optical darkroom prints? Maybe the darkroom in California does it. So mm-hmm. there's probably some people listening that may use those services and they might just get an extra print done and stick it on their window for 12 months and, and see how those prints go as well. It would be interesting to find out to sort of compare lab for lab and uh, see if they're as good as my artisanal lab in Thailand. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, sure. Like, because like, I mean, like if you look at a lot of uh, labs, like online labs, like uh, even MPIX, they, they claim that they're doing a... Uh, they're 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 actual silver halide prints or whatever, uh, but they're done on. I guess they're done by lasers or something, but it's still silver halide or whatever. But uh, and like you know, you have like Kodak Endura, which if you look at Kodak's uh, spec sheet on it, they they claim it lasts for generations. And then you have uh, Fuji Crystal Archive, which is another common lab uh, online lab uh, paper that they use. They claims it lasts for generations and all this stuff. But let's uh, let's see how it lasts uh, in the uh, the Gutterman Cave torture test. So yeah, that's kind of want to want to where I want to go next with it. But uh, so yeah, just keep an eye on this well, on this podcast and and on the Facebook group. When I start the next round, I'll be kind of putting out a, a call for anybody else that wants to join on this, and we'll we'll, we'll come up with sort of the same method methodology. Is that is that is that a right is that the right word? Is it methodology? Yeah, the, <laughs> and you can the torture club. The torture club and, and people will be googling it and coming up with all kinds of good results right right maybe we'll start a uh, start a facebook group for just uh people that want to torture photographic prints so <laughs> but uh, no I, I don't need any more facebook groups i have hard enough to kind of keep up with the one i got so but <laughs> but uh but matt definitely thank you for for joining me on this man and for joining me tonight and having this uh this conversation with me and a and uh join uh enjoying some beers with me so uh it makes me uh you know, they say if you drink alone you're an alcoholic so this this is giving me an excuse so 
Uh, thanks, Mike. I'm so ronery here in my village, so it's been good. <laughs> uh, see, now, Matt's making everybody feel a little sorry for him, so maybe you should send him some care packages. Uh, like, <laughs> So there you go. I'm just trying to send some, send some love your way, man. So, All right. And shoot some cool film photos. <laughs> well, we're not, we're not not quite ready for that. So, <laughs> all right, Matt, how about you tell people where to uh, where to check uh, check out your stuff, man? Don't check me out. Just talk to me on the Facebook group. That's enough. <laughs> I, I feel like I remember having this problem with you last time. Where? where yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I did start. Uh, I don't want to. You know, people have been tortured long enough with this podcast, but I did start a. Um, half frame medium format facebook uh, not facebook Flickr group and um you know for people shooting medium format half frame and we've got two members at the moment <laughs> yay it's ta- man it's taken over the world by storm sounds to me like yeah unfortunately <laughs> both members are me but uh, <laughs> we laurie brooks has said she's interested dan novak said he's interested and sherry christensen said she's interested so we we the momentum is building. Oh, I can, it's a groundswell. I can see it already. Yeah, tectonic so, plates. <laughs> <laughs> so come on, man. Like this is do you? I mean, I know you're on the yeah. Facebook group a lot, but do you you post right? Don't you have Instagram or anything like that? If, yeah, like, M okay. M Jones forty one on Instagram. Yay! There it is. There it is. Well, Matt, uh, I definitely appreciate you uh, you joining me, and uh, we'll talk to you uh, talk to you very soon, man. Like uh, it's always uh, always good to have you on, and uh, always very entertaining, and um, and it's always good to yeah have a beer with somebody. So uh, definitely appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. All right, cheers, brother. folks we're back for one little final segment and a huge thanks to mr matt jones uh for joining me on not only this podcast but actually a year-long torture test of photographic prints uh very very happy that he uh kind of joined me in this process and and covered up uh probably a, a very essential window in his uh in his home in thailand to uh kind of you know uh, help test the longevity of photographic prints. Uh, and it was super fun to talk with Matt and uh, always a good time. Uh, so huge thanks to him for that. All right, so this is kind of the, the last segment here, but I want to at least uh, get in a Colin camera review because that's what we do on these shows. So uh, we're going to do a Colin camera review from Mr. Alex Lokes from the Classic Camera Revival. He's going to be talking about the Minolta uh, XE7. So let's listen to what Alex has to say about that camera. Hey there, folks in negative positive land. This is Alex Lokes from Classic Camera Revival with a call-in camera review. 
Today I wanted to talk to you about one of my favorite Minolta cameras. Now I have a long history with Minolta from the Hymatic 7S being my first camera to the SRT 102 being my first SLR. But I recently discovered the XE series of Minoltas and that thanks to my good friend Bill Smith. Now the XE7 is a unique camera in photographic history because it marks one of the first entries into the SLR market in a combined effort from Minolta, Leica, and Copal. So the XE7 is basically Minolta's version of the Leica R3, and frankly I think it is better than the R3 for the simple fact that A, it's less expensive on the used market, and B, it uses a standard Minolta SR mount. So you can use any of your MC or MD lenses on this camera with little to no problems. Um, it's heavy, it's bulky, it um, relatively was short-lived on the uh, market, replaced very quickly by the XD series. Um, but no, if you're looking to get that same look as the Leica R3 with something a little less expensive in the glass range, then I would definitely recommend the XE7. It has semi-automatic functionality, it is an aperture priority camera, so... Um, so yeah, if you like aperture priority, it's a great choice for that, but it also has a robust manual mode as well. Um, fairly compact, lightweight, good, clean design. Um, the 40-yard test, you couldn't mistake it between that and an R3, except there's no red dot on this one. Fantastic match needle metering system, as in the needle will flip and show your um, shutter speed for you. Um, I really like it with the, uh, Rockor X lenses, um, especially the MD mount and yeah, no, um, it's been a constant companion for me. I even took it on my trip to Disney world where it performed beautifully in the hot summer. It's done wonders in the winter. No, definitely a great entry into the Minolta system and a great camera from the 1970s. That's it for me, and I will talk to you soon. Well, thank you, Alex Lokes, from the Classic Camera Revival podcast from uh, for that review of the Minolta XE7. Uh, you know, I have two Leica R-body uh, cameras now, the R7 and the R8. The R7 is the last uh, Leica 35mm SLR that had a uh, little bit of a, uh, I don't know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Was, they worked with Minolta with uh, when the R8 came out and the R9 is when Leica took matters in their own hands uh, with a complete design from uh, from Leica themselves and manufactured from themselves. But I do have an R7 that definitely has some, some Minolta heritage to it. Uh, I don't know exactly what all Minolta did with the R7 or how much of the R7 is Minolta parts or whatever. But it's a fine camera, but I've shot a couple roasts of that now at this point and really enjoying it. Uh, but I, I do kind of think I like the R8 a little better. And maybe that's just my, my Leica snobbery going on there because the R8 is a complete Leica design and manufacturer. So maybe I'm, I'm being a little Leica snob, snobbishness about it. But, so, but, but they're both gr really great cameras I'm really, really enjoying. Uh, Okay, uh, and I know some some of you folks might be asking, like, I thought these uh, these little Friday shows were coming to an end. 
Uh, I, I thought it was going to be a once-a-week uh, podcast. Well, uh, just a little disclaimer here. Uh, Ford Motor Company has been letting me off early quite a bit the last three or four weeks. I've been getting off work earlier than uh, usual. And so I've had a little bit of time to kill before my, my kids get up and go to school and all that stuff. So, like, you know, if i got some time to kill, then why not pop up one of these, uh, what we used to call midweek episodes, but I guess now technically are Friday episodes. But, uh, so, yeah, that these things will continue as long as I keep getting off work early. It's been a nice little trend. I'm, I'm not, not complaining one bit about it. So, uh, uh, and as far as call-in camera reviews or call-ins of all sorts, I think we got maybe four, five at the most left in the queue. So, definitely you can continue to... Uh, send those in we will definitely use them on the show if you want to send in any sort of call in about whatever's going on in your film photography world whether it be a call in camera view a lens review a darkroom technique a developing uh thing you found out or just want to tell us about some sort of embarrassing story where you screwed something up like andre did his uh vacation uh film with his girlfriend uh you can we can always accept those and, and they'll definitely get played and we'll put them in the queue so you can uh, record those files on whatever method. Uh, easiest way is on your smarty phone and uh, just do your voice recording app and, and record it on that and send us a file. Or you can do it on your computer if you want to be all fancy smanchy and, uh, and send those to negpositives at gmail.com. Okay, let me go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, you can see my photography on, Insta- on Instagram at Gutterman Photo, on Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography. Uh, you can join the Facebook group. It is the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. And you can email this program again at negpositives at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram account under the account name Negative Positives. If you submit photos to Instagram, think about the hashtag Negative Positives. And uh, it's mostly ran by a friend of the show, Mr. Bryce Randall. And uh, maybe if Bryce sees your, your hashtagged photo, he'll highlight it on the Negative Positives Instagram account. Uh, Have a great weekend. Everybody stay positive and shoot some cool film photos.